It's that time again for the assault on your ears we call Lore Dorks, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. Tonight on our screens is the finale of season three, The Stars Are Right. Actually, it's The Stars at Night. So so no no Cthulhu? Uh, no. Aww. There are evil robots, though, if that helps. Yay! Can I just uh, talk about the drink? Sorry, yes. <clears throat> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, we are drinking a Paloma cocktail. Uh, that is tequila, lime juice, grapefruit soda, or juice with a salted rim, if you want to do it that way. I actually took the easy way out, and instead of making my own cocktail, I got a canned one because they exist. But you know what? I don't really have any regrets. It's actually quite tasty. It's tastier than I expected, probably because the juice makes it a little bit sweet. I don't know. How's your mixed cocktail? I assume you did the highbrow version and mixed it yourself. The highbrow version? The, the <laughs> minimum effort version, you mean? <laughs> you know, it's, it's not bad. I'm not a big fan of grapefruit juice, so, you know, that that's not really in it for me. But everything else right. works. That's good. You know, it's funny. We picked this drink because it was it seemed Texan, and I did a little bit of research, and it seems like it could be Mexican as well, or instead. But you know what? We're already drinking it. It's it's tasty and delicious. So um, either way, I think it works. Texas is basically uh, <laughs> Mexico's petulant teenage child. So I think you're right there. <laughs> well, let's talk about the episode because I feel like. You know, I have a feeling we're going to go long on this one. So, the stars at night, the return of Admiral Buenamigo, your favorite admiral, I think, uh, shows him to not be such a good friend after all when he dumps Captain Freeman in favor of his pet project, the Texas class. But in the end, Mariner brings it all together with the California Ex Machina. Yeah, I. You know what? I I think everybody saw this coming. Like everybody knew this was <laughs> going to be the end of it of the season. But... Oh yeah. I still think it worked really well. Yeah, totally. I love this episode. We could talk more about it. But there's a lot of things to cover. But let's talk about the episode title first. In case you didn't know, or in case you're uncultured like I am, the name of this episode uh, comes from an old popular song. It's Gene Autry's Deep Deep in the the Heart Heart of Texas. Texas? (laughs) Oh my god. Are you serious right now? Stavros, you uncultured fuck. Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I know. But you know what? Now I know, and that's the important... That's, a, that's the thing Lower Decks is teaching us, I, is uh, how to appreciate really old music. Is all that I can think I of think. whenever I hear this song is that horrible Pee Wee Herman scene where he's in the phone booth on oh, his God. way to the Alamo. And so he <laughs> sings, like, the first three lines, and then all the passers-by <laughs> stop to <laughs> sing the, the, the refrain. It's good. You gotta watch it. <laughs> Pee Wee Herman, great movies. Can't recommend them enough. Yeah. Yes, that's why we're here, to recommend 30-year-old uh, TV specials. <laughs> wow, dude. Wait, anyway. Just crash on everything I have to say. Hey, that's why I'm here, okay? Just to, to help you. Um, one thing about the opening shot, though, while we're talking about the episode title and the beginning of the episode here, Douglas Station, we've seen this station pop up again and again in this show. I, I feel like it's kind of their home base, you know? Because they always go back it must to be. it, you know? Yeah. The funny part is, though, you know, it shows in the exterior shot, it shows all these ships like around it again, and they are nowhere to be seen in the fight scene that comes later. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, we're out of here. Think about that. There's just a bunch of ships (laughs) hanging out. And like some of them look like they could be like Starfleet vessels. But when the fight comes, they're just like, nope. Goodbye. 
I feel like <laughs> these are the people who aren't good enough to get the Cerritos class. <laughs> the crew is all like, Captain, there's a fight breaking out at Douglas Station. And they're all like, how long till we reach the station? Um, sir, we're, we're two seconds away. <laughs> okay, get us out to ten and then let me know what's happening. Yes, I feel like they're probably not equipped to take on the uh, Texas class anyways. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that fight come later. Indeed. These are these ships that I feel... You know, we've talked about them before in our ships uh, episodes. It's They're kind of like strangely low poly and I you know probably wouldn't look it up close anyway. So no uh, accident that they don't show up <laughs> in the battle later. Yes. But let's talk about Mariner's stuff first. So as you recall, Mariner is off doing her, you know, archaeology, who's a what's-its with Petra Aberdeen um, in that ship, the Free Spirit. There's that shot with her stealing that um, gold uh, Indiana Jones-esque uh, idol, idol from Only in this Ferengi. case, it's a Klingon. Uh, yeah, but here's the weird <laughs> that's thing. That's right. So I gotta, I gotta mention this. So when she's making her escape, she's got the Klingon idol, she's running away from the Ferengi... And right. she swings over that chasm pitfall style, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, in the background, there is a giant statue. Yes, I saw it. giant statue is this weird three-eyed, bat-winged alien with a proboscis. Have we ever seen anything like this before? I feel like no. I don't think so. Maybe somebody else can tell us that we're wrong, but I couldn't place it when I looked at it. It looks a little bit too... Yeah, definitely not something... I don't think it's something we've seen before. But it was fun to see. It comes out that, you know, Admiral Picard is funding this, like, these, like, archaeological gray ops where they, like, go and... Why? Why is Petra so cagey about this? Right? I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, even that's if she didn't want to give full details, she could have just been like, oh, we're funded by a Starfleet Admiral who's really into archaeology. Right. Why create... And I, you know, I do got to give them credit, though. At least they resolve the unnecessary drama in, like, two seconds. Yeah. But this is supposed to be, like, the big motivator for Mariner to go back to Starfleet. But it's kind of like, right. I, what happened to character growth? You know, she's <laughs> nobody trusted her, and the first thing she does no. is not trust anybody else. Man, this comedy cartoon show has way too little continuity. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm still hung up on, like, so they're going, they're taking artifacts away from these black market dealers, but they're doing it by going to the tombs that the black market dealers are set up in? Or are they, like, intercepting the black market guys as they're stealing from tombs? Or what's going on exactly? I don't know. I think they probably do a little bit of both, you know? (laughs) They, like, intercepted these Ferengi and... Yeah, because they mentioned they're going to stop by the whatever, whatever expanse that uh, the Cerritos had previously surveyed. And they were going to do right. some, you know, digging up uh, ancient ruins or ancient archaeological sites. So, like, clearly they're doing, like, just normal archaeology stuff. And they're doing the Indiana Jones-style archaeology. Yeah. Kind of funny. I wonder how uh, Admiral Picard is funding these uh, ops with some kind of currency. He, he must have a some kind of, you know, money-generating operation somewhere. That, that vineyard is uh, earning its keep. He's funding archaeological digs. I don't think he really has any money. I think he's just using connections, right? Oh, like, okay. or he, you know, he knows people at Starbases and then they just will stop in. Like, there's probably, you know, a Starfleet outpost on that planet and they'll they'll stop by and the engineers will do some repairs for him because, you know, Admiral Picard said so. Okay. Yeah, I could see that being a, a form and of currency. nobody checks the books that. to make sure no. that they're uh, not using resources inappropriately. <laughs> there you go. 
A fun little detail during these uh, scenes when uh, Petra goes to, or she forgets her punch card for slushies, and she comes back and picks up the punch card. There, you can actually make out the details. It's like a little card she picks up that has a slushie on it that says "free." I was like, "Wow, they uh, actually made the effort to make a little, uh, little, little punch card for her to, to, I, to come back and pick up." I didn't even notice that. That is amazing. Yeah, I, I didn't notice until my second watch through, but she definitely comes and picks up his little card. You can see all the details. But, you know, one thing, the biggest thing about this plot that we kind of touched on already, and we, and we talked about it last episode, too, how it sucked that, like, all of Mariner's friends were like, I guess, you know, it sounds like you probably did do those things. And they completely address that in this episode which is freaking great yeah they Everyone don't hand wave it like i mean that's yeah. something you know even like actual dramas do just hand wave people's past bad behavior yeah and they all take responsibility for it so except jen we never see jen again because she probably killed herself <laughs> she's in the uh the shot in the what do you call it the little mess hall type place where uh everyone's having drinks at the end there jen sees her come in but doesn't say anything yeah. um, but i'm still salty at jen probably can... feels like too much of an endorian trash bag to say anything <laughs> probably because she is an endorian trash bag unless i uh-huh. see some kind of a uh, heartfelt uh, apology i think i'm still upset about that yeah uh, but if she does come back, one might say a little bit too easily, but you know what? Like you said, it's it kind of the plot doesn't really get hung up on it because there are cooler things to do in this episode. But she does come back. Do you feel like it was uh, too easy? No, not at all. You know, they have yeah. to reset the status quo, and they did that nicely in this episode. Mm-hmm. Some cool things that came out of that storyline that I liked. Did you notice Petra's gun? Yes, it was, it was phaser-like. Was yeah, that from it, something? It was like the old Dustbuster phasers... But, like, had a different hood on the end? Right. I like don't a, know. muzzle. I feel like it's probably, you know, some discarded phaser that somebody found, and that is their yeah. repair job they did on it. It fits the feel of the ship, too, right? The ship feels cobbled together, the phaser feels cobbled together. Yeah. Kind of I, a neat little theme. I definitely like the, the... I don't know why. I like that gun design. I like the ship design. It's all very cool. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about your best friend, Admiral Bonamigo, who is more like, of a Molly. Not my best friend. I mean, like, I, oh no, Admiral Buenamigo, curse your sudden but inevitable portrayal. Like, <laughs> who didn't see this coming? And you know what? No. I, I had mentioned that it was possible he was a Section 31 guy. Yeah. Turns yeah. out I was and correct. And he turned out to be right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's funny that he explains why he went bad and... He, you know, he goes like, once you hit, once you uh, become an admiral, you hit a wall. But you started on this path before you became an admiral. <laughs> Look at the flashback. You're not an admiral. Yeah, you're, you're totally right about liar. that. Liar. Uh. <laughs> but you know, it's his explanation did make me think of that guy O'Connor from the Moist Vessel episode, the guy who eventually ascends, and he like needs something to like you know <laughs> set, set him, him apart, apart from the yes. rest of Starfleet. At least his doesn't involve murdering innocent people, but, uh, you know, it makes me think, like, you know, in this utopian society, you know, everyone can be in Starfleet, but you know what? You need to be set apart. You need to... Not everyone can be a Picard. You know, a lot of people who do, like, analysis on, like, um, like the whole Starfleet, or Star Trek Federation, especially Earth ideology, there's no more scarcity, you know? There's, right. there's no longer limited resources. And everybody points out, well, there's always going to be limited scarcity, right? 
there's always sure. going to be things that there's only so many of. You know, there's yeah. only so many Starfleet vessels, only so many captain slots, only so many admiral slots, only yep. so many beachfront condos, you know, <laughs> only so many Lagrange Point vacation homes. I just, you know, I don't know. I'm not here to do an in-depth analysis. I've already had too much to drink for that. But I do like that this episode kind of points out that just because there's no basic need scarcity, there's still scarcity in wants. Yeah, 100%. It's interesting. It's some. It's not something that the rest of Star Trek has really talked about that much. But you think it, it's got to be a problem in some yeah. In some way. It's weird be. that like they introduced such a great motivation. And it's all played for laughs. It's a big comedy bit and it's hilarious. Oh yeah, of course. Especially, yeah. you know, he does this whole evil laugh thing. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> quite over the top. <laughs> that was right up there with the Boimler evil laugh, the uh, William Boimler There's evil no, laugh. like, he hasn't gone full evil, you know? Straight up and tries to murder people. But, <laughs> like, at least they, like, delve into the motivations, right? And I really was surprised by that. Yeah. 100%. Kind of bites him in the ass, uh, like, almost immediately. <laughs> Jumping oh, out of the plot a little yeah, bit, that, yeah. that death scene is brutal, man. I feel like it, like, almost shows, like, you can almost see the flesh melting off the bones with the getting phasered. And the, I like, love when they, they cut up to the exterior, and it's the uh, Alito just shooting through that extruded section of the Starbase. Yeah. I love that cool. scene. Um, it always reminds me of... In Star Trek Voyager, there's an episode where they try and get the Trabe and the Kazon together to negotiate peace, and the Trabe betray Starfleet, they, like, shoot up the meeting. I remember right. the first time that that showed, and it was just like you had never seen anything like that in Star Trek up to that point. It was such just an amazing scene, and right. it's sad. I would have loved to have seen this style scene in live action. It's just, it's not yeah. quite the same when it's animated. Still cool to see, though. Definitely you can see the production value increases. Yeah. But we do get a lot of the backstory about, you know, how uh, Admiral Bodomigo set up uh, the Cerritos. The opening shots at Starfleet headquarters. <clears throat> um, the Kind of neat, the, you know, the animated version is pulled right from how Starfleet HQ looks in a DS9 episode called Homefront. The conference room is right from Star Trek VI. If you recall, where Kirk and Spock are talking yeah. to the rest of the Admiralty, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, right down recruited. to the weird light fixture things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the desk light fixtures. I was a little disappointed because we saw like outtakes from this episode, whereas like from the back of the gray-haired Admiral, I had right. suspected that was going to be Janeway. Turns out I was wrong. Nope. I wonder if that was originally the plan, and at the last minute they mm. couldn't get her or something. I don't yeah. know. Or, yeah. Hmm. You know. yeah, it could have easily been, I guess. Maybe but you know what? The the logic used by the Admiralty here kind of sucked in general. Makes no sense. I also want to yeah. comment on something. So let me get this straight. Long before any of the Star Trek series ever happens, a few, a few genetically engineered mad dictators F up the Earth, and the Federation... Right bans genetic engineering in perpetuity even when it would be a good thing right <laughs> yeah even when mm -hmm. it would help people yep but every other week they run into evil machines <laughs> and starfleet no one never wants says, to outlaw that you know maybe we yeah. should put limits on thinking machines jesus christ starfleet or at least do some sort of auditing like if rutherford <laughs> could figure out this thing was gonna go evil 
maybe anybody who actually looked at the code could or like ran a simulation on it jesus christ starfleet i'm starting to think the zot vosh were right i mean come on yeah <laughs> yeah it's there's got to be a uh, a pro ai lobby that uh, is you know in the federation council that's getting these politicians on their side and you know we, we we depend on you know automation to keep our economy running whatever yeah i mean but there's like a level of automation you know maybe your uh maybe your holodeck shouldn't be able to make sentient evil beings like maybe maybe there should be like some sort of check in the system like you know right now we have checks that say are you a robot and you have to click no maybe right. on the holodeck it should have a check are you attempting to create an evil AI? No. Uh, well, no one's trying to create an evil AI. That's that's part of the problem. But yeah, the the whole Admiralty uh, calling Project Swing by a failure, you know, just because the, the Cerritos crew is garbage to one another doesn't mean that, like, they the, the plan wasn't good. But here's the that weird thing. That was kind thing. of a strange logic leap. Yeah, the whole logical leap there was you were just unprepared to fight three Breen warships. Yeah. Didn't like a handful of Breen warships completely f up the entire Federation fleet during yep. the Dominion War. Like, yep. how short term are these people's memories? Very much so. <laughs> One thing I do know about Bonamigo though is uh, that man should never design uniforms. He's uh, too many too many epaulets. You know what? I just <laughs> I realized I couldn't figure out what was going on in that picture. Until you just explained it. Epaulets <laughs> all over it. Yes. I will, I will give yes. him credit. You the know, fleet he, captain Epaulets. Yeah, he does try to help out his longtime friend. I don't know what their relationship is. By giving her a spot as, you know, the, the fleet captain. Although I don't know whether that yeah. was a, I need to shut this person up. Or whether it was a, hey, I may be evil, but that doesn't mean I am completely evil. I don't know what the... Yeah. The evil, but not... I don't know. He flies off the uh, logical, the rational handle almost immediately once he gets found out, so I'm not I sure. I mean, that's how it always goes. You know, evil admiral, yeah. being evil. Like, that's, that's Starfleet Admiral 101. That's Freaking, right. Can't we just yeah. get one admiral? Oh, we did have one admiral that didn't turn evil. Necheyev. She's just a uh, a-hole to people, and, uh, and that's it. She put Picard in his place. That's right. Somebody yeah. had to. Oh, uh, we do see more of the Texas class ships here. Hilariously, did you notice that the Alito AI voice has the same accent as Admiral Buenamigo? I did not notice that. And I uh, think I'm pretty sure it's like spoken in a robotic voice, but it still has like the heavy like Latin, like Latino accent going on. Okay, have we moved on to where we're talking about the Texas classes now? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, what the F? Is the Alito just carrying around big-ass modules in its cargo bays? Or is it, like, carrying mm. around parts that it assembles and transport? Or, like, yeah. is it actually just, like, replicating them on the spot? Like, I have so many questions. Because they're small ships. Yeah. They seem small. Yeah, they... Well, they're not that that small. But, yeah, like, they shouldn't have room for all of these things. An entire outpost they just beam down. Yeah. Like, and if this it's tech exists... Why isn't it on board the Cerritos already? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't you know, make get, any sense. I'm sure they, they would explain it away as, you know, you don't need living quarters, etc. on board these automated ships. So you got lots of, it's, it's, the whole ship is cargo space. Yeah. And of course, then the other question is, like, how powerful is this ship? I get that yeah. it doesn't have, like, a crew. But, like, right. 
most Starfleet ships have a very low crew to, you know, ship mass ratio. So, like, right. I mean, just one of these things took on a sovereign class. I mean, right? you know, they were making short work of that star base. <laughs> I just, how powerful are these things? You know, why aren't they already making more of these just, you know, without a computer at the helm? Yeah, I don't know. I love how we get the close-up look of the, like, cluster torpedo launcher and, like, the torpedo that becomes the multi-torpedo, whatever you call those yes, things. Yes, I, I love the pop-up torpedo launchers, um, which is really cool for, like, a design aesthetic thing. Because, like, we were just talking previously about seeing the Cerritos actually use its top-mounted torpedo launchers. Yes. And now this thing has that same style of torpedo launcher, but they pop up from within the hull. Very, very neat. Right. It was super cool to see. There's something like the MIRV, the, the MIRV torpedoes, like something that exists in the real world, but you almost never see in Star Trek. So it's kind of neat to see uh, yeah. see something like that pop up. I, yeah, I definitely enjoyed... Like, the ship has definitely grown on me. The the three deflector thing still kind of bothers me, but... Yeah, what's going on there? They, they, they're they just, like, lights that turn red when they're evil. Yeah, I don't know why they have three deflectors. <laughs> uh, you know, when you don't have a crew, you just throw on 16 torpedo launchers and three deflectors and... and maybe it's like a redundancy you know. thing, you know? Yeah, it could be. I don't know. It maybe it's to sense. support the computer. I yeah, don't know. Somebody's going to have to ask. <laughs> you recall when the lower deckers find out about the California-class... Like, the plan to get the California class shelved. So, did you catch on the chain of events of the rumor mill? Yes. So, it was a Phylosian, which apparently, like, the Phylosians were the super advanced plant people from the animated series, right? Right. Uh Like, why is one of them in Starfleet? And if they're in Starfleet, (laughs) why are they serving on a Cali class? But more than that, it appears that the super advanced plant man is dating somebody who worships the prophets. So I'm assuming she's a Bajoran, but who knows? Maybe yeah. plant people get weird religions going on. Because it was their mm. Vedic that started this whole chain of commands. Why yes. does a Bajoran holy figure have anything to do <laughs> with secret Starfleet operations? Why do they know? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Because, you no. know, if, if there had not been a previous episode where you had seen that Kira was still in service, I would have assumed it was her, right? Yeah. But... Nope, it's not her. So who is it? Nope. I mean, uh, some guy. Why? Why do they know? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this whole chain of events doesn't make any sense. But I mean, ultimately, at the conclusion, the final step in the rumor mill is a fantastic reveal. Yes, Towel Guy. We just talked about him last episode. He's popping yes. up uh, every time in the lower decks area. His name is Hans, although I assume that's his first name. I you don't I, know what his last name is. Well, I think it's Towel Guy. Right? He was Han's towel guy. They call him towel guy in universe. It's just But that means insanity. that the reason we're always seeing him wearing a towel in the background is because that's just what he does. He just always wears a towel. It's like a religious exemption type situation, maybe. Well, I would assume when he's on duty he puts on a uniform, but I'm betting that I don't when know. he gets off duty, it's just towel city, you know? It's the whole <laughs> home is where the pants aren't thing. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, nobody can do anything because uh, this communal quarters and the and the hallway is there. Yeah makes sense no it doesn't <laughs> i just love that we have the towel guy reference and we have a name for him so anytime that i see him walking around a towel i can get upset at hans <laughs> i love it let's talk about boimler slash jack quay's imitation of his other the other characters slash cast members because he does voices of 
what Ransom and Doctor Tana and Shax, of course. That was like spot on impressions. I was oh very yeah, impressed. just really solid. And you know, from I mean, it's got to be tough to do like a a voice, right? Doing a character imitating another character, right? Oh yeah, like, I can't imagine that's easy. <laughs> Not at all. That was amazing. That was the amazing part. Oh of my that god, scene. yeah. And then he, he makes Shax cry. It's so. Sad. I know that was so sad. Shax yeah. so such a so is feeling so easily hurt. Yep. Of course, there's a redemption that happens later, which we're going to talk about in a bit. Oh but boy, yeah, that we poor get buddy. To that, uh, final fight. Yeah, but poor, but poor Shax, man. Boimler's yeah, got to, uh, got to stop having yeah. his back facing the uh, entrance, the entrance into. <laughs> <roofs. he's> talking <laughs> trash. You know what, though? I don't know. I always love it when people make fun of my mannerisms. So I think Shax <laughs> just needs to grow a sense of humor. Yeah, maybe that's it. The prophets need to educate him about the about being funny so. oh my god did you did you catch uh boimler's line i talk Which? about prophets more than ferengi oh my god like so funny Such that a was great solid bit. yeah yeah uh. <laughs> good job boimler well done about that though so Shax is like coming down to the repair bay because he has a phaser problem yeah so like- is that just like a thing you do like you don't take it to the armor you take it to the repair bay well i mean Unless he's looking for, like, somebody specific, you know? Like, he's got his, his friends who he likes to have help with his weapons, you know? Right. It's like, it's my personal weapon. I don't want anybody touching it but someone I trust. Oh. He doesn't trust his, like, own guys in the armory? He's got to come down to uh, Baby Bear? No, I mean, I think he's got a guy... What do the guys in the armory... Like, he's running the security guys, right? The tactical guys? Right. He's not yeah. running the maintenance guys. Yeah, so I guess that's my question. Like, wouldn't security do their own maintenance on their weapons, or they got to come down I to the repair bay? I think they would know basic maintenance, but I'm willing to bet that there's probably an engineering thing. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You got to go to the repair bay to get repairs. Well, they're not really a military force, right? So, I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> like how, you know, in, like, a modern military, the guns are all stored in the armory. But you know what? Those are just... Yeah. Oh, man. It doesn't make any sense. Let's not think about it too hard. <laughs> what? You don't want logical consistency in your animated comedy show? Hey, you know what? Get right out of here with using my own <laughs> words against me. Uh, that's great. Uh, let's move on to the challenge between the Cerritos and the Texas class ship. You know, as you may recall, it's, you know, who can surpass these challenges first? I loved the everyone getting ready on these Cerritos shots. Um, they kind of like bounce between a couple different departments. All right, I got I got to talk about my boy. I know it's the wrong order of operations, but I can't <laughs> not talk about this. Yes, let's do it. Ransom teaching the Riker maneuver. It's yes, <laughs> so good. It's oh. so good. Uh, his- I, apparently, that's a legit command maneuver. Yeah, you know? and his whole uh, explaining. Command the chair. That is what he says. <laughs> Command the chair. That's oh amazing. my god! You know what's funny? I I do love that they show the you know in comparison to like Doctor Tana and Sickbay, they show Ransom giving this pep talk to the command division people. But it's weird because you never really see the command division like grouping. They're all. I don't know. They're kind of they, they never really grouped together for any reason. The, in Star Trek that we've seen, right? It's you, you see engineering with engineers, you see you know the science lab with scientists, and you know sick bay with the doctors and nurses. But you never really see the collection of command division 
people that aren't yeah, like the captain and first officer. That's, that's kind a of good neat point. You never really see them together doing anything. Like, and you would think like there would be regular like command meetings beyond like the captain and first officer. You frequently see together, but other than that, right? You don't really see it. I I think that's a really good call. I uh, never noticed that. This is like opening up all kinds of like cans of worms here. Like, what do command division people do? Like, does engineering need someone from the command division who's, like, the manager? But not really, right? There's no one in red uniforms in engineering. So, like, what are these guys doing normally? Like, what's Jen's job? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Especially for, like, the lower deckers and stuff. Like, <laughs> like what do they do This commands? I, mean, I You know, I've got to assume they do some sort of, like, performance or data analysis. They probably are, like, in charge. Like, you know, you've got the the commander setting duty shifts, right? But, right. like, day of, like, shit comes up where you got to get, like, last-minute coverage. I bet there's right. people that are just like, okay, this is your division, and this is your division, and you're, this is your division. And when weird stuff comes up, they just like, okay, i got to deal with this. You know, i got to get coverage because, you know, Steve Buscemi down in Astrometrics <laughs> Lab 7 stubbed his toe, and now I need coverage. <laughs> or uh-huh. stuff like that. Or, like, setting, like... If you have, like, an away mission, um, they didn't really show this. They only show it every once in a blue moon where they do, like, mass beam downs where there's, like, right. a lot of crew planet side. I bet yeah. they do a lot of, like, the oversight and the inventory stuff. Yeah. That, like, they the show it room. even here where, like, Ransom is down and they're installing the outposts and Ransom's, like, you know, directing people and stuff. Yeah. So it does happen, but, like, I'm talking about, you know, the command division people who aren't the captain or first officer. Like, what are those guys doing? Well, that's what like, I'm saying, right? Like, the first officer yeah. isn't going to be worrying about every little minute detail, right? Right. You know, somebody gets injured down in, um, you know, maintenance bay three, and the project can't go forward without four engineers. It's probably right. on whoever that command officer is to, you know, figure it out. Ah, uh, sure. Okay, I can see that. And there's probably I want to see of, more. Yeah, there's probably a lot of little projects where it's all like, okay, you know, this project is going to need an engineer and a astrometrics officer and a doctor. And okay, well, if we're going to have you know a cross departmental group, then we'll throw a command person in there just right. to handle any sort of you know interdepartmental conflicts or planning that yeah. need to happen. Makes sense. Wow, we've we've way overanalyzed this. We need to move on. We've analyzed it the perfect amount. No, <laughs> no. We talked about this way too much. Although you know who comes back in that scene? Uh, you know who we see again? Who? Oh, Casey. Yeah, I know, Casey right? Casey That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is immediately what I was thinking about. I assumed yeah. he was dead. I, I mean, hoped. Hoped is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't appear on the bridge much anymore, and, uh, you know, he's an a-hole anyway, so yeah. uh, who cares? <laughs> Let's talk about the, when the, you know, so the race is ongoing between the Cerritos and its opponent, um, and the Cerritos is ahead, but then something happens where uh, the Cerritos needs to perform an analysis because they think that microbial life could possibly be sentient. I, I'm going to give props to your boy Ransom here where Tendi reports to him that something's wrong and he immediately, there's no humming and hawing. He just says, what? And she explains it and then he immediately says, stop everything. I thought that yeah. was a great character rebuilding moment for, for Ransom. He's had a tough that season. Is, that is core character. I mean, ignoring the assassination <laughs> moments, from even the assassination <laughs> moments from this se- season are not so far out of character for Ransom. 
You know, this is Ransom to the core. He realizes there's a problem where he's got to make a decision. And he chooses the Starfleet way. (laughs) Props to him. He's getting ahead of these uh, assassination attempts from the season, so... Yeah, I love the fact, though, that this whole, like, scene is, like, the Cerritos crew at their best. Because it's like, yeah. this is important, you know. The things stuff are they like, do, yeah. The only weird thing mm-hmm. is, it's kind of selfish, right? Like, they're not this way every time a problem comes up. <laughs> oh, no. But when it's like, oh, no, I could lose my job. I better take this seriously. But it's <laughs> like, oh, no, there's an entire alien civilization counting on us to keep them alive. They're like, yeah, maybe oh, I'll whatever. screw around a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they'll hand look. out some crayons. And, not a good no, look, Cerritos crew. <laughs> I do love how, like, throughout all of these scenes, Rutherford has steadily growing suspicion, and like yes. his just distractedness is played up through the whole thing. Very well put together. <laughs> like, if this was an actual episode of a live action non comedy show, I would have, <laughs> I would have definitely rated this one a plus. It was good. I love that that element. I mean, for for talking about Rutherford, man. I mean, that's we've got the conspiracy coming to fruition that we kind of talked about already. Yep. Um, did you see? Did you predict Buen Amigo then? Or so I actually assumed it was going to be Admiral Freeman. Oh right. But I thought it might have been Buen Amigo too, just because they introduced him. So I didn't know if he was going to become the new Admiral contact to replace Freeman after right. Freeman gets found out, or whether he was going to turn bad. Hmm obviously bad or maybe it's going to turn out they're all bad i don't know still time <laughs> literally every single admiral turned out to be bad it's like well, I mean, it's kind of like the right like the red shirt that gets lines you know that you know that guy's gonna die if you get to know an admiral well he's turning bad uh, yeah. unless it's nechev unless it's nechev true blue starfleet nechev the admiral of my heart yeah <laughs> if they're too much of an a-hole then they're not turning bad they're just an a-hole so, I don't know. We've it. seen plenty of uh, a-hole admirals turn bad. I think uh, <laughs> you're making conclusions that are not in evidence. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I love how Rutherford decides to keep the implant, even though he has that dark moment where it's like, <laughs> it's caused me to lose my memories and hurt people. You know that is freaking cool. <laughs> this, this scene reminds me so much of the shacks returning from the dead scene. In what way? Well, it's that whole, like, he goes from, you know, oh, Shax reveals to him in that episode. I think, is it Strange Energies that that happens, where Shax comes back from the dead? I think so, because it's the first episode, right, <clears throat> of but, season two? or Yeah, two? Uh, two but there's this moment where they ask him, and he's all like, you know, oh, he revealed dark things, and it's so horrible, and then immediately goes back to being cheerful and happy. Yeah. It's just that swing. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have we seen the end of this conspiracy then? Like, we've seen how far it stretches, and... Uh, I, um, I don't know. Maybe. I just... Uh, I don't know. Is there more here? No, there's going to be more. It's hard to tell. There's going to be more, because Badgie's coming back. Oh, Oh, spoilers. yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that now. Let's talk about Badgie and the, uh, and you know, what's, what's going on with the with the fight here. Oh, so we're getting to the, the final fight? Yes. Ooh, I am... I will say one thing. Captain Freeman's I need warp now line way better than warp me way way better <laughs> what is like maximum warp me or something oh yes she says that too maximum warp me <laughs> and I need warp now both fantastic lines although I think I need warp now is better you know I feel like I, I've hated on warp me in the past 
But Maximum Warp Me does sound pretty cool, I have to admit. Actually, you know what? Maximum Warp Me sounds like, I don't know, it sounds wrong. It sounds dirty <laughs> in some way, and I just don't know what it is. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, AI with daddy issues. We're on to that. Yes. Trouble processing emotions. Yeah, yes. that's the problem. I, I love the fact that that is how Rutherford identifies his AIs. Obviously, I mean, you know, that's the that's the hallmark. That's the badgy uh, hallmark. He has yeah. daddy issues. <laughs> and so does this AI. I really hope we get more no. <laughs> Rutherford AIs, and they team <laughs> up somewhere down the road, and we get just this great, you know, <laughs> daddy issue AI team up. Oh my god! I feel like they're setting that up anyway with the with Peanut Hamper and Pe- uh, Agnes. It's yeah. a badgy escaped here somehow. You know his code got out there somehow. You know it's going to yep. come back and oh yeah, the end uh, of season four probably somewhere. Let's back up a little bit and talk more about how this fight goes down. The Sovereign class that shows up. Uh, by the way, they name it the Van Sitters. Um, that's actually the name of this uh, fairly active dude from Paramount that's on Twitter that that goes to a lot of the conventions and stuff. Um, He's the VP of Star Trek brand development, so not not a surprise. Kind of kind of a little like boss kiss up going on there or something. <laughs> Being uh, like you know naming that ship after that guy could be. But if you recall, during there's this chase sequence where the Cerritos says, you know, hey, we got Rutherford, come chase us. That scene when they're like, hey, we got Rutherford, you know, he yeah. can stop you, and it, you know goes to Rutherford and he he tells Alato. <laughs> And he's all like, yeah, you're Dunzel, which is funny because in the original M5 episode where they installed the M5 computer on the Starfleet vessels, right. Kirk was referred to as Captain Dunzel. Oh. In that episode. I didn't put that together. Yeah. Like, wow, I, and it killed me because I've heard it a million times in my life and I've never known where it came from. Oh. Like I know a lot of people who say this, right? And it's like it's okay. from the original series. I never oh. put that together Neat. until this one. And I think it was seeing it, it spelled out allowed me to search for it and actually uh, find the yes. original reference. Yeah, that would help. But the chase, the chase ensues, and uh, so I'm, I'm getting all all bent out of shape. And even my, my wife even brought this up. While we were watching this episode together, so she's like, "Do phasers work at warp?" Then, and I'm like, "I don't know because it's inconsistent as hell in Star Trek." It is. I know, right? Sometimes it does. You know what, though? I always... My favorite quote from all of Star Trek is, uh, Warp flight? No left or right! And it's it's <laughs> Paris that says it in Voyager. And this shit happens oh all the time. Where you're just like, Ah, oh, man, is there no, like, overarching tech Bible? Get, like, somebody who knows no. your, your tech. I don't like going from one episode where something's possible to another episode where it's not. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Phasers have to work at warp. And because we have seen constantly people getting knocked out of warp by people firing phasers at them, right? Yes, especially in Voyager. Yeah. And if they didn't work at warp, I mean, like, any enemy fleet would just be unstoppable, right? It could just fly until it got to where it wanted to go, and there would be no interception. So, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to accept phasers work at warp. <laughs> you know, at this point, it's been, it, it's, you know, in TNG, they ex- explicitly say torpedoes only at warp. But you know it's it's been all over the place since then. We can yeah. I mean, it, 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 it gives us way. the uh, famous photon torpedo away 
from the motion oh my picture. God. My yeah, favorite right. Star Trek movie, but still one of the worst scenes. <laughs> but you know, I think of that one, the problem wasn't that you can't fire phasers at warp. I think the problem was that like their the way their systems was designed was you couldn't use the torpedo mm. system while it, or the phaser system while at warp. Yeah. Obviously you could use the Hard torpedo to system. They did in that movie, but yeah. phasers you yeah, didn't yeah. use. It's all in place. It's just uh, something that, you know, I thought I was I'm like, glad I'm not the only shoot. one who was bothered by that, right? <laughs> Everyone else listening to the show is like, oh, God. I had a note on? about it in my notes, and then I took it out, and it's all like, yeah, let's not talk about this. <laughs> no, we're definitely little, talking little about too this dirty. weird thing that no one cares about. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> uh, but you know what ends these chase is a little Shacks. maneuver. Yes. Yeah. What a... What a uh it's like he he's got like the you know, he's doing the victory lap kind of a thing where like everyone's cheering him on. I mean they, keep in mind they're in a battle situation and everyone has chosen like everyone knows that Shax wants to do this, so yes. like the corridors are lined with people cheering on Shax as he goes down to uh eject the warp core. That was freaking amazing. You know, can Good I job, talk about something though? I love yeah. the fact that three seasons now, every time they're in a crisis situation Shax has been like, eject the warp core! Eject the warp core! <laughs> and they actually played it off. Oh, <laughs> so great. He's like the Worf of, uh, you know, you've seen like the YouTube compilation of like Worf suggesting things and him getting shot down yeah. by whoever's in command. <laughs> that's like, that's Shax. all like, kill them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and Shax is always about ejecting the warp core, and you know what? He I, does I it do and basically saves that the that when world. he gets to the warp core, you know, the two pylons come up with the keys... Yeah. But apparently they keep both of the keys in engineering. Yeah. The pylons are within wrong. arm's reach of each other. Yeah. There's no other thing other than inserting the keys and turning it. Like, what is the point of this security system? I mean, like, it is needlessly complex for no reason. It does really seem that way. But you know what? I can't. I guess they have to have someone, you know, it can't just be Shaq's meandering down there and doing it himself he's got to have or you know just pressing a button on his console like they did in yeah. voyager that's that's too much uh that's not it's, it's not flashy enough you gotta have you know gotta have turkeys gotta have your uh, victory lap moment yeah where he runs that was great to engineering if you say so i mean <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> um i loved the animation work with the warp core being ejected because that the cerritos's warp core is very I don't know, sophisticated looking and huge. Unusually so when you shoot, shoot, shoot out of the core, yeah. Because pretty Voyager cool to see it pop did out. the same thing, right? On more than one occasion, they ejected their warp core. Yes. Yeah, but I don't know. This one, uh, it's definitely a different. So it actually blows up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you notice when they're ask- when Captain Freeman's asking for opinions, um, Lieutenant Barnes is like, "We need to use the deflector dish as a weapon." Yes. I'm like, ah, that's from Best of All the Worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty fun. Which I would have expected that to be like Boimler's suggestion, but oh yeah, Boimler can't suggest that because he's supporting Shaxx. So that's sad. right. Wouldn't it suck if they're just like that didn't work? Yeah. <laughs> Did anybody else make any like suge- any decent suggestions? Um, I think Captain Freeman was like, I, "Can I logic loop them to death?" And Rutherford's like, "No, I built that in as a, a safeguard." Yeah, I built a safeguard. Which, like, <laughs> God, Why Rutherford would, you do that? would make a horrible. Or actually, an, an incredible evil villain, right? Yeah, 
Like, oh, yeah. he just, he's so prepared for anything you would do. To well, he was. His AI. He was the evil villain that before, before oh, right. he uh, That's a good point. He was exploded. the villain. Uh, well, let's talk about the finale when Mariner shows up with all of California okay. versus three cities of Texas. I, I got a problem with this scene. Were, like, all these other California classes just, like, sitting around out in space somewhere, like, a few parsecs <laughs> away? And that they were yeah. that close to get to the battle? And, like, then why haven't they shown up for any previous battles anywhere in any of the series if they're just all over the place like this? Yeah. I mean, like, is it just maybe... They uh, they showed up at the speed yeah, of plot here. maybe they were just I mean, so inconsequential that, like, just nobody bothers to call the Cali classes. <laughs> like, in First Contract, there was Cali classes all over space. But nobody bothered to call them. Nobody like, asked Like, they find them. out about it later, yeah. like... Earth was almost assimilated? Why didn't anybody tell us? <laughs> we have a phaser array. Yeah, and, torpedoes? You know, torpedo Why didn't they let help? us know? Yeah. Uh, I love the callbacks to all the other California yeah, class ships. Yeah, so though. they name a ton of them, and I think most of them are just, like, throwaway names. Um, yeah. You know what? F- fuck you, because you know what the ship they did announce? The San Jose, and guess what city I live in? Why the San would Jose. they name a city the San Jose? Or why would they name a ship the San Jose class? It's a garbage city filled with garbage people. Hey. Who would even... Ch- you know what? Just because there's garbage on the streets doesn't mean that it's a garbage city, all right? That's totally different I, You things. know what? Actually, garbage on the streets explains volumes of why there's garbage people in all the homes. <laughs> Touche. Um, anyways, now that I'm done uh, <laughs> trashing on your uh, town... <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> I would trash yours, but it's too uh, easy. Too so. easy. Anyway, you my were town is famous for nothing. There's there's absolutely nothing <laughs> to trash on it for. Um, so yeah, like the every Cali class that we even hear mentioned shows up, which is a problem because like we get some of them, like the San Clemente shows up, but in Crisis Point they right. specifically mention that the San Clemente doesn't exist. It's not a real ship. Like what the mm. hell? And then you also get the the what is it? The Rubido shows up, but the right. Rubido was the one that was destroyed by the energy monsters in Much Ado About Boimler, and it didn't get replaced. And we know uh. this because her captain was assigned a new ship, the Solvang, which was also destroyed <laughs> in no small parts. Right. Terrible captain. Two ships Uh-oh. destroyed. Two ships commanded. Ah. Yeah, but then apparently, do they bad. just make new ones? Do they have that many Cali classes coming off the line that they just keep reapplying names? <sighs> I don't know. I'm worried. Is this kind of is this some kind of problem now? Like, are the are, do we get the do faked out here or yeah, something? I don't know. But we also get like the getting worried the Sacramento, which uh, I think in no small parts that is the ship that uh, Mariner and Boimler both applied for a promotion to. Yes. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, you know what? Was it the Inglewood that had the? Oh yeah, it was the Inglewood with the all Boolean command staff. Yes. <laughs> with Vindrome, Captain Vindrome. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we get the Merced, which was captained by the Tellerite in Moist Vessel, but right. that one was destroyed too. Why is it back? Like, there's no way that yeah. thing came back into service by now. Ugh. Oh, actually, you know what? Yeah. I guess I can't say anything. What's going on there? Friggin' the Cerritos has been refit like 
four or five times by now. I know. It's going to need to be refit <laughs> again because it just had major structural yeah. damage again. Uh, apparently, so. the Cali-class ships, they're just so used to these things getting wrecked. They got, like, <laughs> specialist <laughs> crews standby. They're, like, pit crews <laughs> waiting for like, <laughs> California to call into dock. <laughs> just <laughs> change the tires and fluff the pillows. Yeah. I don't know what you do on a starship when it's getting yeah. revamped. I don't know. Sure. But like, I'm sure there are pillows that oh, need to be fluffed. Let's see. It was the Oakland that was commanded by Mariner's BFF, who actually gives the speech at the end. She uh, comes yes. back. Uh, uh-huh. That was also much to do about, according to my notes, it was from much to do about Boimley. That was the episode that was from. Oh, man. I think that's I think not I've right. had too much to drink here. Yeah, that's uh, your Paloma is going to your head. Oh, the, you uh, the Paloma head. The Alhambri was the mirror Cerritos, where it had the gender swapped right, the crew. crew and the bug right. boiler. Oh, <laughs> right, my God. right, right. Uh, from awesome. Veritas. I don't know if I said that. It's from Veritas, yeah. if I didn't say it. Veritas. Yes. And then, of course, the Veritas. last one that I think was mentioned in the actual show was the Carlsbad, which was the super jelly crew that were very jealous of the Cerritos crew having all the fun adventures. Yeah, I you know, I'm I'm getting a little concerned, like I said, that you mentioned all of these like destroyed ships, so like is this the next Merced with the same crew or something? Or maybe this I don't whole know. episode it's weird. was just like a dream sequence and we're gonna start season what are we on, four now? With It four. was all a dream. Woo Oh boy. They're gonna pull that thing. I hope so. I hope they don't I hope so. Oh god. Uh you know cool speaking about all of those California class ships in the battle sequence we get a kind of fleeting looks at a lot of the other ships. Oh, they all have different paint jobs. Paint it's jobs, not just the yeah. Colors. They also have different paint jobs. No. I love it. So I wonder what those all mean. And this is also lends it towards like, you know, being more like something else is going on here because all of these people that are have destroyed ships are showing up. So Yeah, you know what though? I I, a little I like the different paint jobs. I think it's very snazzy looking. It yeah, was cool. I liked it. Yeah, I want to take a closer look. Maybe we can do that another ships yeah. episode where we can Look up more closely at those paint jobs. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Maybe kind of neat, but also, hooray, San Jose! I hope it's not a no. Show. I mean, it was just it was a great scene. Um, a little ridiculous, maybe a little contrived. Um, yeah, but you know, I couldn't help but like it. Yeah, it was fun. It was a feel good ending for sure. Yeah. I'm surprised you're not bitching about the uh, ship to the rescue scene again. Uh, every episode, <laughs> ship to the rescue. I thought ship it. To the rescue. Uh. At least it's a fleet to the rescue this time. It's not just one, like one hero, one hero ship. ship. Yeah, that, that is true. Yeah, it's just enough change to the trope to make me happy. It doesn't take much, Mike McMahon. It doesn't take much. Yeah. So you know the whole Chekhov's gun wasn't enough for you. Thanks, buddy. No, not at all. Let's talk about a certain character popping up right at the end. Yeah, your favorite and the internet's this? favorite. I think we God, should because the internet cares about her a lot. There's a there's a big Tulane nice fan base fan out there. Pandering McMahon. Uh, <laughs> uh, she she barely appears, just enough to have a little you know little interaction with Tendi there. One thing I really liked though, we get the return of the provisional officer rank pips thing that we saw in Boy. You know, and I feel like it's been mentioned in previous episodes where there were people who did not go through the academy in Starfleet. We know it gets right. mentioned in lower decks as well. But there, I feel like this has come up before because the assumption is that Talyn has gone to the Vulcan Science Academy because right. she served on a Vulcan ship. 
Right. So I gotta. I I feel like this has come up before, where somebody else with some other service, you know, from a, a Federation member world, transfers over directly without visiting the academy, which works mm. pretty well. And I hope they do. They do talk about it at some point. I think it would be great to do an entire comedy of errors episode, where you know she's never actually <laughs> been to Starfleet and hasn't spent much time around any other aliens or aboard alien vessels. So she just keeps right. making all these just ridiculous faux pas or is always upset at what <laughs> other people are doing because it's normal on a, you know, multicultural vessel versus a all, <laughs> uh, all Romulan, all Vulcan vessel. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm curious to see if the Talin like device will work on a Starfleet ship. Because you know, before she had, she could play off of all these other non-emotional Vulcans. Yeah. So I'm wondering if if it's well, going to be as and, effective. And I've said it before, like, and I just don't want to be a wet blanket about this. I just don't yeah. know. Like, there's a lot that they can do, right? Now, doing the whole other yeah. direction of juxtaposing her as the wet blanket versus her as the ridiculous. Uh, emotional character <laughs> out of control yeah yeah um, uh-huh. and honestly a lot of the uh talk on the net is that like yeah pairing her up with uh tendy was such a great a genius idea and i'm like you know what? it actually is a pretty good idea you know i think that pairing works pretty yeah. well versus any of the other characters yeah um, totally especially as tendy ascends to the senior science officer yeah role. And just she is the one who you is know? the most prone to like emotional outbursts and she's so right. into everything, like that that pairing is gonna lead to a lot of conflict. I think it'll be way better than the whole conflict she would have had with Mariner, with Mariner doing her whole I don't follow the rules thing. Yeah. Oh man, what if she right. becomes like the reverse Mariner where Talin doesn't mm. follow the rules, but she doesn't follow the rules because she thinks she like not because she's like, I'm a rebel, but she does them because the way that Starfleet does them doesn't seem logical to her. That would yeah. be a great gap right. for like I could easily sustain <laughs> her character through a season. Oh my god! Especially if everybody is always comparing to Lynn and Mariner. Like, oh yeah, she's a rebel who does things <laughs> her own way, just like you, Mariner. And Mariner is always cheesed off by it. Just gets really that upset. That could actually yeah. <laughs> work. I could see that as a great season-long arc. Oh yeah, totally. That'd be fun. I wonder if she's going to get, like, the, you know, she's going to be more of the main crew, or is she going to be relegated to the Kayshawn, gets a couple lines every couple episodes Oh, yeah, like, gets a few episodes when they first show up, and occasionally are, like, the B-man in somebody else's story, but mostly it's just background after, you know, a few episodes. Yeah, Yeah. I can see that. I know, it's a a tough thing, like, I mean, so, so popular. I mean, you look at the Lower Decks subreddit, it's filled with... I really, really got it. But here's the real problem. If she does join the the main lower deck group, they're no longer going to be the Warp Core Four. What are we going to call them now? The yeah, Phaser Five or something? What rhymes with five? Phaser Five. That that doesn't. Phaser rhyme. Five. It's not rhyming. It's alliteration. Well, sure. What, what's wrong with alliteration? Whatever you got a problem with alliteration, buddy? <laughs> Damn it, Stavros! You uncultured fuck. <laughs> Jesus. Where does my unculturedness end? That's the question of the evening. <laughs> um, I think we've covered almost everything. Anything else before we go to final thoughts? Oh, I, there was one more moment that I do want to call out, and that is the... Okay. I love 
the whole uh, when Tendi is talking about you know derailing them for her not uh, sentient microorganisms. There's a great moment right. where Rutherford is hyper focused on you know his analyzing the Alito code, and he's all like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, you did the right, right. thing," like not even paying attention. I love that they're continuing yeah. the trope of like when the warp core four is into something, they're just super oblivious about anything else that's going on. <laughs> just fantastic scene. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. Elysee didn't, uh, you know, he, he paid yeah. attention enough to give her a good response. So there is that. <laughs> uh, well, let's go to final thoughts. Um, I, I can go so. first. Uh, I love this episode. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. Um, the We get something with Rutherford, my boy Rutherford, get that conspiracy thing resolved. Um, we get a cool fight with the uh, autonomous ships. We resolve the Mariner being out. We get my, my hometown of San Jose mentioned. Um, even a little Tolin in there. Hard to go wrong with this episode, I felt like. Had every, like a little of everything that I liked. So uh, I think this is one of the top episodes this season, um, at least for me. I have to... I'm gonna have to go back and look at all of these episodes too to see if what the top episode was. But it's got a little bit of everything. Some good jokes in there too. The Badmiral gets vaporized horribly. So, so I, I would say that uh, I found the episode it was it was cliched and predictable and reasserts the status quo very rapidly. You know, it pays way too much attention to fan service. Wow. I almost is like it jumps the shark. <laughs> yeah, hundred oh, yeah. percent. Sounds loved like you really it. loved it. Great fucking episode. Um, <laughs> you know, I this this season's been kind of like all over the place, but like, yeah, like when it's hitting, it's really hitting. You know what though? I mean, even the bad episodes this season have not been like bad, right? Um, like even the only one that I no. can really call out yeah, that was right. like I wasn't really on board for that much was the a mathematically perfect redemption but everything else right. just like every episode really hit for me i really enjoyed it and it does that same thing that i loved throughout you know all of the seasons so far where it lets the episode revel in nostalgia while also presenting a story that stands on its own really the only problem with this yeah, episode 100%. is it's a story that's been done a million times in star trek and yeah. it doesn't spend enough time on the uniqueness it brings to it right yeah it's depending on the rutherford connection and presumably well, future badges to really make it when unique. amigos you know motivations for why he did this right and it just doesn't spend right. enough time mm-hmm. on that and the scenes that have happened in the episode kind of undermine his argument he just seems like a bad guy from the get-go mm. which he should have never made it to admiral then but right I digress. Yeah, Starfleet's got a uh, some kind of criteria of admiral promotion that's not really. Uh, I mean, it depends. If their goal is to promote evil admirals, then it's working great. (laughs) You see a turtle lying on its back. You don't flip it over. Why don't you flip it over? I fucking hate turtles. That's literally the test. Congratulations, you're an admiral. (laughs) Well done. Well, you know what? My uh, my canned Paloma is out, so... But I, I'm all out of drink ideas at this point. So I think uh, since this season is also out of episodes, kind of uh, we'll call it a night, and yeah. we'll be doing this again next season. Uh, in the interim, we'll be doing more episodes about Maybe. things. Yeah. Uh, so till then, 
yeah, hit us up on Twitter at Lower Dorks and uh, um, uh, <laughs> tell us what you'd like us to do for episodes. Yes. If you have an idea what you want to do, yeah. We might do your episode. Yeah, we Because could. community involvement is something that means a lot to us here at Lower Dorks. And not because we are completely out of ideas. Right, Stavros? I'm sorry. I have no idea what you're talking about.